Welcome to the Nerd Ascended Podcast. I'm Natalie. And I'm Chelsea. And this is what we're nerding out about this week. The history of haunted houses dates back to the 19th century. Marie Tussaud freaked out audiences with her wax depictions of decapitated famous French figures in 1802, and a theater in Paris gained notoriety for showcasing graphic theatrical productions featuring dismemberment early in the 20th century. In 1915, an English fairground launched a ghost house, likely one of the first commercial haunted houses. From there, the public desire for contained spooky walkthroughs grew rapidly. In Great Depression-era America, Parents joined together to create scary scenes spread across multiple houses that served as entertainment and distraction for kids who might otherwise be more into the tricks part of Halloween, vandalism and destruction. These trails of terror even included tactics that developed into well-known modern haunted gags like claustrophobic crawl tunnels. One pamphlet even suggested putting raw liver and wet sponges on the walls. What really set off the modern haunt industry might be unexpected, Disneyland. When the park finally opened the long-awaited Haunted Mansion in 1969, it launched a widespread desire for a similar caliber of experiences. It also popularized several haunt tactics like the Pepper's Ghost Effect. Within a few years, haunted houses both seasonal and year-round began appearing at theme parks, fairgrounds, and warehouses. Around the same time, slasher films saw a spike in popularity creating cult classics like Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. Just down the road from Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm made history with a three-night Halloween event in 1973. Knott's Berry Farm has continued to this day and inspired other theme parks to follow suit, including Mickey's Not-So-Scary Party at Disney Parks Worldwide and Universal Studios' International Halloween Horror Nights. Haunts are now a massive industry, with individual large local houses attracting up to 3 million in business seasonally. From backyard haunts to virtual reality to full contact, immersive experiences, our appetite for spooks and thrills shows no sign of slowing down. So, I have learned a ton about haunted houses that I didn't know this week because I was doing research for this podcast. And I think one of the most interesting things I learned that just kind of lines up with my own personal life trajectory, interestingly, was how important Walt Disney and Disneyland have been to how Halloween and haunted houses have ended up in the modern era. In the history portion, we mentioned that the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland kind of set off the whole interest in haunted houses commercially in general. But when we went to Japan last year, I also learned that up until like seven, eight years ago, Japan really didn't care about Halloween at all. They just thought it was a time when Americans dressed up in silly costumes and didn't really cross their minds. And then Tokyo Disneyland did their first Halloween event. And it has just taken off there like crazy but it's really interesting that a country that's so into horror and they have like all these scary movies Halloween for them is very cute it's very adorable because their perception of Halloween is mostly Disneyland 
So <laughs> it was just kind of my random facts I learned this week about Halloween. But I mean, for us, a love of Halloween and haunted houses goes pretty far back. But I have to say, before high school, I was kind of a huge baby about this stuff. Oh, I was too. I was so scared of the haunted mansion when we were little. And I hated going in there. And if I went in there now as a little kid, people would say my parents were awful parents for taking me in there. I didn't, like, cry or scream or anything. I just hid. The whole, like, the whole ride, I just, like, hid my face. Except for the ballroom. I would watch the ballroom. Yeah, that was always the time when... Um, either if I was riding with dad or mom that they could get me to look because they'd be like, look, the ghosts are happy and they're dancing and it's cool and it's not scary. (laughs) I mean, our parents also got three-year-old you to go on Pirates of the Caribbean by telling you that there were no drops at all. Yes. And there there are tiny drops, but that was Nellie's first betrayal and she has never trusted anyone ever again. (laughs) I know mom always appreciates the memory of me sobbing hysterically through the whole ride about how she lied to me because I'm sure (laughs) all the other parents thought it was just amazing I'm sure so I do remember being on the Haunted Mansion I think probably the first time we went to Disneyland and the ride stopping you know for 30 seconds or whatever like it probably does to help someone get on or off the ride which I know now but at the time I just thought I was going to be stuck in this ride for the rest of my life and it was horrifying because I was in the middle of the graveyard and I just thought it was the end of the world it was but. and I'm I was actually wrong I think you were five the first time you went and I was three yeah I think so because I was big enough to haul my own self around Disneyland we were stroller free children <laughs> yes <laughs> so I was I mean I was definitely a big wuss about a lot of scary stuff I remember coming home from trick-or-treating one year and dad I think was watching um uh the Crypt Keeper the name of the show is escaping me right now but I remember just being like hysterically terrified of this thing on the tv and I did not like it I remember going to a tour at the old pen in Rollins where we grew up for Halloween one year and I think the first time I went might have been when I was in middle school, maybe. And I went to the Halloween tour. And even then, I just remember being like, oh, my God, this is too much for me. I can't. <laughs> I can't deal with this. And then, lo and behold, high school rolled around. And I ended up working there for Halloween for three years in a row. Me too. I remember also going my first time in middle school. Uh, you were working there, which is why I went with mom. And dad. And I had an awful time. And I did cry a little bit. And I was like, yeah, wait be here. It's too scary. And mom was like, look, that's Jessica. You've known Jessica since you were four. I'm like, no. No. I'm dying. <laughs> I can't do it. And, and when I was 14, I worked there too. <laughs> and I don't know what exactly, you know, caused the shift or the switch or whatever. But I think working at the old pen those years definitely made me as interested in haunted houses and Halloween as I am now for sure and I mean the old pen for people that have been to haunted houses in their hometown and stuff I mean they've they've still probably never been to one quite like the old pen because it's got its own 
backdrop and story. I mean, it's a, a frontier prison. You don't even have to try to make it creepy. It just already is. Yeah, the old pen, uh, for a little bit of background, is the original penitentiary in our hometown of Rollins, Wyoming. And it closed in the 80s, and for a while it was just kind of there. If you've ever seen the movie Prison, that I think was filmed a few years after the prison stopped being an actual prison. Mm-hmm. And at the it time... It was filmed in 88 because it's yeah. as old as I am. No. <laughs> Uh, and at the time, it was not a historical site, so like they blew a hole in the exercise wall, and they bent some bars, and just could do whatever. And then after that, the old pen became a historical site. And its official fancy name is the Wyoming Frontier Prison, um, but the old pen is just what... It's not just a Wyoming thing, it's just, you know, like, the nickname... Mm-hmm. Because there is a new penitentiary in Rollins. Yes, there so is that... an actual functioning penitentiary still that has <laughs> uh, real life inmates from all over the state. One time we ran a 5K from the new prison to the old prison. And that's the most Wyoming story I have yeah. to tell people. <laughs> yeah, it was a really cool fundraiser for the old pen. I don't think they're actually doing that pen to pen run anymore. Sadly, but <gasps> sad i think this past year was the last year for it but they are still doing a halloween tours every year and for the most part i think it's mostly still the high school thespians that put it on there's some other people that help um all volunteer you spend most of october helping decorate and get set up and plan out what the storyline is going to be and what your role is going to be and all of that and it's just a really, really good time because it's a really unique way to experience history. And if you're one of the people that are volunteering to be a part of the haunted house, it's a really great introduction into what working at a haunt is like. And I think for a lot of people I know that have worked there, once you've done it once, you kind of always have this desire to do it. And a lot of us just don't have the time to, or resources or availability to go do it once we grow up and move away from Rollins but that is definitely something I wish I could do every year every single year I'm like oh man I should have volunteered for this one in Portland or I should have done this but it's definitely a labor of love and a time commitment yes and it's hard to do with a full-time day job Mm -hmm. at the same time but a lot of people do it at every haunted house including Halloween Horror Nights Um, I had friends I worked with at Disney that also did horror nights during the season so they you know worked two jobs working at a haunted house just really changed my perspective on them because I'm very interested in spooky things and scary stories and movies but I can't watch most movies because my brain can't let go of them and then I'm up for three days after working at a haunted house it like opened this avenue for me where I can go to haunted houses and I can have a good time and then I can go home and sleep like normal because it's easy for me to look at the actors in them and think of them as people like I was like Mm -hmm. after this they're probably gonna go eat pizza someone like a lot of yeah like that zombie over there may be having drama with the werewolf over there they used to (laughs) date um I also really appreciate 
how sets are built and makeup and all that goes in to creating it. And now I just really love them because it gives me a chance to be involved in spooky horror things that I do love without the consequences of playing a horror game or watching a horror movie. And never sleeping. (laughs) And never sleeping. I made an exception for it. I did not sleep that night. I remember telling you, because I was at your house. I was up until 4 a.m. And we watched cartoons for a little bit. I remember yeah, that. <laughs> then you and Kevin just went to sleep, and I watched The Office for seven hours. It was worth <laughs> it, though. The movie was totally worth it. It was. I do really love it, and I will watch the sequel, but I'm going to in the daytime. And it was worth it because it's a great story, and it was well acted, and that's kind of why like haunted houses have been worth it to me, is because if you're anyone that's interested in storytelling or theater and that all that goes into theater whether it's lights or sets or acting I mean haunted houses are theatrical productions essentially even the ones in someone's backyard they're a a theater performance they're immersive storytelling so if you're someone that's you know like me that's in even public relations that involves storytelling I mean this is all the same kind of thing and storytelling is such a fundamental human component I mean We've been telling stories and we've been telling scary stories around campfires since the dawn of time, really. Yeah, because scary stories give you a visceral reaction if they're done well. And it just all plays back into feeling alive. That sounded way darker and deeper than I meant it to. But... <laughs> it's it's true, though. I mean, like the, the jolt of adrenaline is something that definitely makes you feel very alive. And people have always been interested in the dark side of the world. And I think part of it is that the fact that anything dark or scary exists makes the happy, sunshiny stuff better. Because it wouldn't be that great if there wasn't, you know, the opposite side. So I think that's part of it too. And I think when it comes to Halloween and haunted houses too, it's also a way for a lot of people to conquer their fears and anxieties in a controlled environment and kind of get some of that out of their system without having to actually be in fear for their life. It's very cathartic. There's a reason that horror, the horror genre is so loved by people that have anxiety and other mental health problems. Um, I have anxiety and unfortunately mine, besides haunted houses, is perpetuated. <laughs> By scary things, but there's a reason that it's a calming thing for a lot of people with anxiety Mm -hmm. and depression. And it doesn't mean, like, you're a psychopath because you like scary stuff. That's not what it is at all, and there's actually a lot of research that has gone into some of those things, too. So I definitely know, for me, it can be anxiety-relieving, and it's also kind of a, a group bonding experience even if you're not there with a huge group that you knew already, because you can make all kinds of new friends in the conga line in a haunted house. (laughs) Yeah, we both, well, we have like the same connections to haunted houses, and I usually try and seek one out every year. I don't think it's going to happen this year in Omaha, unfortunately. I'm very sad about it. There's got to be some good corn mazes in Omaha, Nebraska. I looked up some today. I found a corn maze... 
and I found like a haunted theme park that had I don't know like seven attractions it sounded a lot like the corn maze we went to in Greeley but my neighbor uh that lives in a house (laughs) not one of my neighbors in my apartment oh I was like I I also live in a house (laughs) (laughs) they were building something in their driveway a couple weeks ago and Ryan said oh they build a little haunted house in their driveway every year and I hope they get to finish it because we've gotten a ton of rain and it snowed yesterday. And I think that has delayed them because it's still just like the bare bones wood outline. But if they finish it, I will walk down there and go through the world's smallest haunted house. Yeah. And I mean, that's that actually brings up a really good point because there's kind of two different horror experiences when it comes to haunted houses. There's these big budget million billion dollar things that you can go have you know a very high caliber of like makeup sets completely immersive experience and then there's kind of these backyard haunts that people are doing with their own money Um, and some of the ones that aren't even in their literal backyard they're just you know like there's one here that's at the veterans memorial coliseum every year And these are all people that are doing this with full-time jobs otherwise. And they're just doing it because they're passionate about it and they're trying to find the money to make it happen. But um, from what I've seen, they're very expensive to run. And um, it's definitely not something anybody at that scale is doing for profit, for sure. But some of those, while you don't have the like same total immersive, I'm actually afraid of this thing in front of me (laughs) type of experience you still get a really cool storytelling experience too. So when you think about these two different types of haunted house experiences, the the big bucks and the backyard ones, what would you say are some of the best ones that you have ever experienced? I mean, some of them I bet we were probably together. <laughs> but I guess start with the start with the horror nights ones, the big budget ones. What have been some of your favorites? So we've gone to Halloween Horror Nights three times. We went once in California and we went twice in Orlando. And I've been another time. I've been four times, the second one to Hollywood. So my favorite Halloween Horror Night houses, um, my favorite will always be the Edgar Allan Poe house that Orlando, Universal Studios Orlando did in 2011 because I was an English major. I really loved Edgar Allan Poe, like weird little child that I am and the house was just split into different stories of his and it was so cool and I was it wasn't scary but I was just having a great damn time in there so I was like oh it's this story it's this story it's this story and it was really fun and I still think it's one of the best houses Horror Nights has ever done and that was about when they started acquiring a lot of uh, movie and TV titles that they started making houses around. Because they used to not be as many, maybe one or two, and now it's a little over half. In Orlando are based off movies, and most of the ones in Hollywood are. But anyway, um, a lot of my favorite houses came from that Horror Nights in 2011. I loved the Nightingales one, which was a original story house about scary nurses in it World was, War Two. <laughs> yeah, they were. Well, the Nightingales were um, 
I don't want to say urban legend, maybe it's more of a myth, if I remember right, that they fed on dying soldiers and posed as nurses. And I think there's like some history tied to that that I would need to do some more research on. But that was one that I put as one of my favorite ones ever too. Apparently, when I was looking up out of curiosity just what people consider the best Halloween Horror Nights houses of all time, a lot of the ones that are in the top five come from Orlando 2011, which was Horror Nights 21. Yeah, that was 21. That was the one when they had Lady Luck. Yes. Yes, it was. And apparently a lot of those houses were really popular that year. Um, the Poe House, the Nightingales. I also really liked the Winter's Night House. I wrote that one as well. That one I thought was, the Nightingales one I thought was very, very immersive in terms of like sound and I know we were in like a sound stage, but I really felt like we were outside, like in bunkers. And the Nightingale, or the, sorry, the Winter's Night one, I really liked for the same reason because it transported you somewhere completely different. Like it was snowing in that sound Mm -hmm. stage and the like the lighting in there made it completely feel like I was not in Florida for sure I was in a gothic cemetery on a different planet is really what that felt like um another one from that year that I really liked was the in-between which was the one that was about a gamer and I I should remember it better since I loved it he either got sucked into the game or it sent him to the in-between of between here and hell essentially and it had such great play on colors and it was very neon in there and it was just so wacky and random but it had its whole little storyline going on and then I think at the end he went back to his room like it started with him in his dorm room and then it ended with him in his dorm room and you were supposed to be him that one I loved the storyline my motion sickness would not allow me to put it on my top houses because it was a 3D house and it had a vertigo tunnel. Oh, yeah. I didn't wear the 3D glasses for any I, house. I didn't either, but that the vertigo tunnel definitely threw me off, which was a bummer because the storyline was so cool. And vertigo tunnels themselves are kind of cool if you don't have motion sickness because they're disorienting in like a more fun way. And just unfortunately for me, I have to like halfway close my eyes and run through them and yeah. not enjoy it but <laughs> that's the scariest thing <laughs> it was that i might puke on the floor in here <laughs> but the storyline from that one was really really cool i also put um the forsaken from orlando 2011 on here which was the one with the lost ship that we were on yeah columbus's lost third ship yes and that one was I mean, yet again, another one that I didn't feel like I was in a haunted house. I felt like I was in a boat. And there was even one point when you went through there that it was like you'd climbed up to the deck of the ship and the floor was tilted to make it feel like, you know, the ship was wrecked and there was water on the sides of it that was splashing and it felt like you were outside. And um, the creatures in the ship had, I get, I'm not sure if they appreciated this, but their masks had glowing eyes which I thought looked really cool it just also meant you could really spot them from far away 
and see where they were hiding in corners because their eyes were glowing, which I thought looked super cool. I don't know as a scare actor if you really appreciate your position being given away so soon, but I thought that was a cool feature. It was. Oh, such a great year. They put a lot of effort into their original story houses that year. And I'm not saying they don't now, but they have so many big property houses to put together and meet demands with those that I don't think there's quite as much put into the original Mm -hmm. houses as there used to be like back in 2011. And like you said, I mean, the the ones that are the intellectual property houses aren't necessarily bad or something. I actually have a couple of my ones on my favorite list are intellectual property houses, but there's just something really special about having a completely unique story that you don't know what you're getting going into it. Like, you know, one of my favorite houses I had listed on here was Halloween, both the version they did in Orlando in 2014 and the version they did in Hollywood in 2016. They were both great houses, but, you know, going into it, I absolutely knew what I was going to see. There was going to be Michael Myers. I was going to see scenes from um, the classic movies that I was probably very well versed in. I mean, one of the ones in... I think it was the Hollywood one in 2016 was the garage where he's choking her with the telephone cord. And I mean, it's all stuff that is cool because you like the movies and you want to see it in person, but there's just kind of this extra level of awesome when it's this totally unique story and you have no idea what you're going to see walking in there. Yeah. And the people that write it have an ability to make a whole plot happen through you walking through rooms and that's not easy to do yeah and masked people popping out at you I mean it's it's not easy to do a whole story like that for sure yeah the Halloween house in 2014 which is the last time I went um in Orlando was one of my favorites it was the only house that got like a legitimate scare out of me because I'm not saying like if someone jump scares me I will make a noise Yes, because it's something popping out at you. But it was the only one that got, like, a legit, like, can't breathe for a second scare out of me, and I appreciated that. Was it the trick-or-treaters in the sheets? Because that's what No, I remember them, though. No, it was Michael in the window in the kitchen, or the, the pantry, right? Yes, because he was, I'm trying to remember, he, like, went through the living room, and he was in there, and I was trying to, like, watch where he went. And then he came out of the, like, that was to my right. And then I looked forward again and he came out of the pantry. Like, I think there was a strobe light that made him look really fast. Yeah. Yeah. From a space that really looked like just plaster. Like, they did good painting that door. (laughs) Yeah, it looked like a fake door. It didn't look like it was a real door. And Michael Myers is such, like, a physically imposing character anyway I mean I think every actor in there playing him was over six foot because Michael's obviously very tall and broad and yeah and he's silent scary and he's silent he doesn't make any noise which when you think of doing that in a haunted house doesn't seem scary at all like it seems like that's gonna get old real fast I mean oh the first time you popped out 
great, cool, you got me. But the next 18 times after that, it's not going to be scary because you're silent and you have just a white mask on. But that whole house, every time he popped out of somewhere, I was just like, <laughs> crap, there he is again. It was and just it layered so well. Yeah, they they timed things very well in that house. The little trick-or-treaters outside and the sheets got me really well. And the best part that I knew about in advance, thanks to you, so I was prepared for it, was the exit and there was like the shrubs outside and I knew there was one more Michael out there because you'd told me. Oh yeah, because I'd gone several times. <laughs> so I hung back and let the people in front of me go because you're you're outside now. You can see the lines again, like you're you're back in the real world. And he popped out of the shrubs again and I thought that guy in front of us was literally going to die. And it yeah. was so funny. <laughs> because it wasn't right by the exit. You had to take... It was a ways It out. was a few yards. Like, you were far enough away that you couldn't hear the house anymore. And that's where he was hidden. And he was there every time I went. I think I went four times <laughs> that <Yeah>. year. Because <laughs> everyone kept visiting and wanting to go. And I was not sad about it. I had a frequent fear pass. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something that... You know, obviously the Horror Nights um, events have humongous budgets, and that's part of why they're so well done. But some of the reasons that they stand out as being the best in the business is for simple things like that. Like, they know timing, and they know how to play with timing just enough to mess with you, and uh, they utilize stuff like smells that I don't think other you know haunted houses even consider um i mean other haunted houses kind of smell like paint and smoke machines all the time which just smells like halloween to me but i mean horror nights is known for using certain smells in their houses most infamously the psychotherapy houses which neither of us have experienced but i've heard a lot about those in the bathroom scenes but we did uh in 2014 we did that dollhouse of the damned house and there was the room in there that smelled like poop poop it smelled like poop and it really smelled like it really smelled like actual poop and that was a completely disorienting experience because i i'd read about it so i knew to expect that that it was going to smell like that in there somewhere but i didn't expect it to be in a room with ginormous cribs with six foot tall men in diapers no because we almost didn't go it was just you and me neither of us like stalls in real life we used to have a neighbor that had a chucky doll that would he would move around his yard and his (laughs) little two-year-old daughter played with it it was a very halloween that was no that was year round outside year round he once got angry about people letting dogs poop and we had like little squares of yard in front of our apartments it all comes back to poop. It always comes back to poop. But he put the Chucky doll in the yard and like made a little speech bubble like a cartoon next to him that said something about, I don't let my dog poop in other people's yards. It was weird. And I worked at 6 a.m. at that time. So I'd go out in the dark and sometimes he was in the yard and sometimes he was like in the window. Sometimes but he was anyway, in the tree. Yeah. <laughs> One time he was passed out in front of the front door for like three days yeah <laughs> it just uh, Jackie just lived outside I guess but I'll see if I can find one of those pictures to use when we post this episode yes <laughs> but anyway neither of us like dolls 
And as much as we like haunted houses, we seriously considered not going in this dollhouse. And then we decided to go in it anyway. And it ended up being fine because it wasn't dolls. It was normal sized people like painted and dressed to look like certain types of dolls. But that wasn't scary because they were normal. But the baby yeah. room was weird. It was it was disturbing. <laughs> I I got what they were going for. I think if I remember right, there was like a demon possessed little girl or, girl or something that was turning people into her dolls. I, I think. think so. So I think the the people in the cribs were supposed to be like baby dolls because they had like baby doll face masks on, but. It, it's just one of those things that, and I guess you have to give them credit for the fact that it completely threw me off balance because I walked into a room and there were, I mean, giant cribs literally smeared in poop and it smelled like poop. <laughs> so it's, I will give them credit for that because, you know, you go into these things, you expect people to pop out at you. You expect people to look bloody. You expect people to look gross. Like you don't. You just don't quite expect poop. <laughs> you never no. expect poop, but it always no. shows up. <laughs> but <laughs> considering Horror Nights is known for that, if you go, maybe you should expect poop in at least one of the houses. <laughs> but so it's if they're if you're going for just like unsettling people, I mean, that unsettled me. And actually what unsettled me the most about that house was the fact that the queue line was in the Curious George playground. <laughs> that was horrifying. And, and the Barney... It, auditorium or whatever yes they were just both back there in like the kitty section of the park and so all the lights were off on that stuff they just had the like mood lighting for horror nights i guess it was just red yeah and just in the distance you can just see like cutouts of curious george and barney <laughs> like in a red and shadow it, so it was horrifying it, and there, there's just like the random like mood music happening and it, it <laughs> That was probably the most unsettling part of that whole thing was that cue line in there. But it's like the uh, terror tram at Horror Nights in Hollywood, where I think they usually do the same thing we did when we were there, where you ride the train or the tram for a little bit and then you get off at the Psycho Hotel at the Bates Motel. And Whoville is right there and they just put all those red lights on Whoville. And you don't go in there, but it's still the scariest part. <laughs> it just looks creepy. And the Terror Tram is such a unique, cool experience, too, because one of the big draws for people from all over the world coming to Universal and Hollywood is to do the backlot tour because there's a ton of history back there and you can recognize things from a lot of your favorite movies and sometimes they're even filming stuff back there. And that's really cool. And... Of course, people really like driving by the actual Bates Motel and Norman's house and all of that. And so when you go to Horror Nights and you get to pull right up to where Whoville and the Bates Motel are and get off the tram and then walk through a couple of the sets that you normally drive through back there on the tram is just really cool. That's not a horror experience you really get anywhere else. And the first year we went, which was the first year we went to Horror Nights period, was that year they had the Chucky theme and they had I mean it was really crowded I remember that I remember us being like really backed up but I remember I I couldn't tell you if it was a child or not I'm assuming it wasn't I'm assuming it was just a 
an adult who happened to be about three or four feet tall that was coming through the crowd and we were all backed up and he just weaved in between us and grabbed my pant leg and looked up at me and waved and I was just like where am I what have <laughs> yeah. I come to that what was way doing? back in 2010 that was the first time we went and I think all the other truckies were just fake dolls yeah that was the only actual human yeah so and it I mean I give that person kudos for going through the crowd like that because when you tend to be much shorter than the people that you are walking through I imagine that might be kind of dangerous for you so I mean he gave me a pretty good scare so kudos to that guy I do love the terror tram yes it's and they do the terror tram is actually a really good example of how to do crowd control in a haunted house or horror um, experience without people knowing that's what you're doing with chainsaws Yes, because crowd control of these kind of things is hard, um, especially if you're in a larger area that's not really like a tight maze because people get scared. They run where they want to run. They stop. They try to go backwards. They trip over stuff. Some people are drunk and belligerent anyway. So usually what they do, um, the first year we went was the the best year I'd seen it, but they still do it in some capacity um, the other times I've gone, is when you get off, there's usually a line of scary people standing there that you have to walk directly at you don't have a choice that's where you have to go and they will usually have chainsaws with them and they will very strategically get on both sides of the group turn them on and then you go where they want you to go so it's a it's great it's great crowd control i mean they can't do that on in magic kingdom uh at christmas time but (laughs) <laughs> I feel like it would be effective if they could. It would be effective. I watched a video of the current terror tram and they did have the line of chainsaws when you first got there. So it must work well. I saw this year for the terror tram that they're doing kind of a a new version of the theme they did two years ago when I was there in 2016, which was Eli Roth um, came up with this concept of Hollywood Harry who was a clown performer that got fired from Universal. I can't remember the whole backstory, but they worked with Crypt TV to make these little, like, PSA videos about how he'd gone crazy and he'd broken back into Universal and people needed to be careful and all this stuff. And then you took the tram tour and um, got off, and it's like he brought all his clown friends. And the that was kind of the first time they'd done, like, their own mythology basically and come up with this whole new thing for the tram tour and the concept was good but the way they had the line set up that year was just not great and it caused a lot of backup and it just really was rough but it looks like they are doing like an extension of it this year and doing a Hollywood Harry theme and fixed the problems they had so the scariest horror night house I've ever gone in to this day and probably will always be the scariest one was that vampires one in Hollywood in 2010 and its theme was just vampires and it was in that I don't know if it's still there no it's the walking dead attraction now oh well I mean I've been in that and it's fine but it used to be a universal monsters house that was like a haunted house all year round and they just put the vampires in there and they were just everywhere 
they had a lot of staff in that house. They did. And I don't know if it was just that day or if they were just like saturated with all the vampires. But they were like, there's one part that was in a cave and one was coming out of the wall at like my hip height. Like way the hell out of the wall. And I was trying to like skirt around her. And then there was one over here and there was one over here. And there was like no dead spots. There was a vampire priest. I still don't know where he came from. (laughs) <laughs> but he was a very tall man and he just like materialized out of the floor yes he had a nice pope hat on he did it was a very nice pope costume <laughs> he was very catholic that one was a good one and i'm not scared of vampires i love vampires but, but those it was were scary they were scary they were like i don't want to say nosferatu because he's not scary. i have a soft spot in my heart for nosferatu <laughs> but they were more traditional type vampires yeah these were not Anne rice twilight vampires. no they weren't like a, i mean they were attractive but like but their faces uh, were kind of gross at the same yeah time. like in from dust till dawn which they actually did a house version of that at, um one of the years we in orlando too yeah yeah um so this year in both hollywood and orlando they have I mean, we're unfortunately not going to get to go, but I do enjoy watching the videos of the walkthroughs. We mentioned the terror tram that they have in Hollywood this year. At both parks, they have houses based on Stranger Things, which I'm super sad about missing. Yeah, I don't think it would be scary, but I think I would love it like the Nevermore Poe house just because it's a world that I love so much and I watched a video from both coasts on it. I watched the video of the stars from Stranger Things going through it which was really funny. I don't think I saw that one. I need to find that Oh, you should look it. it up. They also have the horrors of Blumhouse at both parks this year which features some of the Blumhouse movies like Happy Death Day. Both parks have Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Both have the Purge House and the Poltergeist. Poltergeist, I watched a couple videos of that, and those look really great. They do. That one looks like they put a lot of effects into it. Yeah, there's one room that you come in, and, well, you go through the kid's bedroom a couple times, and at one point you come in there and you can see the little boy under his bed, and then the lights flash and he gets drugged under the bed by the clown. There's even the tree coming through the bedroom window at one point. They really did good with those ones. I'm sad I'm not going to see that one this year. They also have Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat, like the movie, if you've seen that, with the little dude with the bag over his head. Um, So if you're a fan of that movie, that'd probably be super cool. They also both have The Purge, which I'm kind of over The Purge, (laughs) Um, especially when you consider the fact that I've been to, I haven't been to Horror Nights for two years now, but in the time that we've been going, I've seen Purge stuff at it twice in 2014 and 2016. They were both scare zones and they work really well as a scare zone. I think it would be a blast to be a scare actor in. I, I don't know. The Purge is like two steps away from happening in real life and I, like, yeah. it's not fun to me anymore. <laughs> so I think that's part of the problem. But the video that I watched of the house walkthrough, there was one fun part when you come into a room and there's like dubstep playing and the creepy people were just like dancing and the lady with her flashlight in the corner was like dancing. And I was like, well, you guys look like you're having a good time. <laughs> so there's that. The only, and this this is still an intellectual property thing, but the only one that's unique to just Hollywood this year is Universal Monsters, which has a bunch of classic monsters like Frankenstein in it and Slash did the score for it. 
I liked the video of that one. It also had Phantom of the Opera in it several yeah. times. Which is, you don't see much of that. Yeah, but he is a universal monster. Yeah. He's gross and creepy. So that one looked cool. What were the kind of original houses they had in Orlando? Uh, for original houses, they had Slaughter Cinema. Actually, I don't know if that was an original one. I watched a video of it, and I'm not sure. <laughs> it's just at Orlando. I know that. Now, if it's... I don't think it's based on anything. It was just, like, general slasher. Your everyday slasher. Uh, there's also Scary Tales Deadly Ever After, which obviously nothing was named in there, but, like, classic fairy tales that existed before Disney made movies out of them. But now they can't really call it, you know, Snow White because Disney made a movie. <laughs> They've done a couple scary tales houses, I think. Yeah, that one looked it looked fun. It was bloody. Uh, there's also Carnival Graveyard, self-explanatory, I think. Yeah, lots of lots of clowns, but it looked pretty fun. Uh, Seeds of Extinction, which was a meteor hits the earth, kills all the people, and the plants get crazy. It was like the happening if the plants actually won. Yeah, it was like the happening <laughs> if the happening was good. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to describe that. If you haven't seen The Happening... Don't. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) And there's also Dead Exposure, which was a zombie house. Which you always got to have a good zombie house, I suppose. So there was also some cool-looking scare zones this year. The Vamp 85 one, was that in Orlando or Hollywood? That was in Orlando, and I really loved it. I watched a video of that one too. It was just playing 80s music and had some vaguely vampire looking people in different 80s clothes. It looked like a great time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was also a scare zone. Oh, I didn't write it down. I don't remember what it's called, but it was just like pumpkin heads. Not like Pumpkinhead the movie where he's not actually a pumpkin head, like an yeah. actual like pumpkin heads. And there was one woman that just had like a giant bag of seed for a head that was called a hallowed hollow something like that harvest but it looked really cool harvest yeah Maybe that's what it was <laughs> that looked really cool i really love i think the one of the cool things about doing a horror event at a theme park is most of them um like knots and universal will do scare zones so outside the houses you don't really get a break you're still in scary stuff outside of the the houses I think one of the best ones I ever saw, just because I'm a fan of concept and storytelling, was the Seven Deadly Sins one that we saw in Orlando in 2011. That was a great one. It was kind of a straight shot walkthrough. Had seven platforms with a woman on each, and she had two like bodyguards in front of her, and each of them was one of the Seven Deadly Sins. But they started with uh, like these porcelain uh, masks on and they were, their bodyguards weren't super aggressive. They might kind of jump at you if you came by, but um, they were playing a children's choir version of Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson. Which is more horrifying than the Marilyn Manson version. And who even thought to record that? I don't know. But if you came back later in the night as it went on, they would take off their porcelain masks and they would be you know, appropriately disfigured to whatever sin that they were, like Wrath. She, I think she was all burnt. She had like two bodyguards that had chainsaws and they were all kind of cut up and they would be dancing more provocatively and they were actually playing the regular version of Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson and their bodyguards would be much more aggressive and chase you. And But it was cool because you had to come back. Like 
you couldn't just go through it once. You had to come back to see the whole story. So that one was really cool. There was also the very first year we went that asylum-themed one in Hollywood that I remember. That one was really great because it was really focused on makeup. Because everyone was just wearing like hospital gowns, so there wasn't a lot of costume. But because of that, they had like... There was one guy that had like a wooden square around his head and I think part of it was supposed to be like poking his brain there's this really good makeup in that scare zone and I was impressed because sometimes it seems like in certain scare zones that they don't put as much effort or resources in as they do the houses and that one they definitely put a lot of work into so we've had a lot of really awesome experiences with horror nights of course but there have been some really cool lower budget ones that we've gotten the chance to go to one that was here in portland that unfortunately is not running this year even though they've been running i think for 13 14 years was fright town um i think they're just a victim of budget constraints and that kind of thing this year but they one of the houses they would do every year was um baron von gulu's museum of horrors and Baron Von Gulu is kind of the main character that they created to be their mascot. And this house, they encouraged you when you walk in to take your time. They didn't want you to conga line through it. The first part of it was like a museum of oddities that you could look at, take pictures, you could do whatever. And then the, the second part, the year we went, was like kind of a carnival. You just would get completely lost in there. Like most haunted houses make you feel like you're being lost. This one... The second part actually had multiple ways and dead ends that you could go through. And at one point we popped into a side room and there was a guy dressed as a panda doing karaoke. (laughs) And you you could do karaoke with him and random clowns would pop in and do the karaoke or like talk to you or mildly harass you. And then the second half of it was, or the third half of, third half, third portion of it the final third i should say was marijuana themed and it smelled like cannabis <laughs> and then it was done but it was really unique it smells and... like pot in here and then you're done oh uh, there you go not even but a brownie was... no <laughs> but it was a lot of fun and for a completely volunteer run thing it was just very unique and a really good time And we got to do some really cool ones when we were living in Colorado, too. Yeah, we went to the 13th floor a couple times in Denver, and I managed to get a friend to go with me last year. And I have a lot of love for the 13th floor. Um, I I wouldn't call them low budget. I mean, no one has a budget like Horror Nights because they have Universal Studios. But 13th floor is one of those big family personal owned haunted houses that makes a lot of money. And the people that run it, that is their full-time job. The people that work at it, I don't remember if they get paid or not. I feel like they might a little bit, Um, which is a big deal because most characters do it out of love because the house doesn't have money to pay them. They they buy them pizza and everyone's happy with that. But the 13th floor moved to a new location last year um, and I got to go last year and their new place is just a huge warehouse and it gave them a lot of room to build new things Um, but what I've always loved about it is once you've gone twice or more you know a lot of the rooms and they'll like sometimes put them in different orders but there's like set pieces that will always be there because they spent a lot of money on it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're cool they're gonna use it 
And they'll they'll do like different themes, usually two or three. And the first theme will always be in this cabin. There's just a lot of woodsy logged rooms. Um, one year when we went, it was the zombie one. The zombies at the cabin. Um, one year it was clowns. And last year when I went, it was uh, slasher stuff. Like Texas Chainsaw type. Yeah. I mean, there was like michael myers and stuff in there but they couldn't advertise it but yeah they were there <laughs> a uh, a slasher with a white mask was there and there was yeah. more clowns there's an elevator in there still they managed to still have an actual moving elevator and it's a long haunted house you're in there for like 25 30 minutes um which is impressive and when you get into the second part they have these rooms that never change no matter what their theme is like the theme could be ghosts of the 19th century you're still gonna walk in a room that has a giant werewolf animatronic ripping someone in half because they paid for that they paid for that thing there's always gonna be the swamp um where there's a giant very very giant alligator animatronic that almost ate natalie one year because it came so far out of the wall (laughs) and when she says almost ate me i mean i was literally within the jaws of that thing it was like touching me it wasn't just, oh, it popped out of the wall. No, it was, it came out and Jaws enveloped me. <laughs> it came out like six feet. There was nowhere else to go. Yes, it was terrifying. I was like, shit. When I went last year, he didn't come out quite as far. Well, I, I guess you also, logistically, you run the risk of uh, someone damaging your alligator if you do that, so. <laughs> yeah, and he still came out pretty far, but not, there was still enough room to get around him unlike that year where there was no room because i remember your husband was behind me and he was like go chelsea go and i was like i can't <laughs> nelly just got eight there's nowhere to go <laughs> there's nowhere to go <laughs> there's no path <laughs> they also have a dinosaur animatronic which is my fave i look for him every year he's always there somewhere they have a la leorna giant head that's eating somebody which I love because the first year we saw that was the year after Universal did the house themed after that. And they had the giant head eating a kid. Yeah. And I mean, it's a cool effect. It's just really cool. And so I love that 13th floor was like, we're going to get us one of those. <laughs> and they did. Where did you get your giant head? Please and yeah. thank you. But the 13th floor is a really great haunted house. Um, And even with their set pieces that are always there, they're always managing to change it and put new stuff in and switch stuff around. And sometimes the Yeti's at the end and last year he wasn't and I missed him. Maybe he was on vacation. He took a sabbatical. He took a sabbatical. Um, While we were also living in Colorado, we went to the Fritzler Farm Scream Acres near Greeley. I don't remember if it was 2012 or 2013. It was one of those years. But it was super fun and corny. <laughs> and that was a really that was a really long corn maze. That was also like hodgepodge. Um, one time, at one point we went in a bus, like through the emergency door in the back and then out through the front. And they had like zombies hitting the outside of it. And then we met a military man in a bunker and then we lost him. And then somehow it was just our group again. Like, we were separated by group, and we had to go through, like, little obstacle courses. We made friends with a man in a ghillie suit. I don't know what it was about our group 
specifically that year, but we just made friends with everyone in the haunted houses. There was like a little tent that we had to crawl through, a gorilla suit popped out and scared Natalie's husband. It traumatized Kevin permanently. Traumatized Kevin. He ran away. There was like a slide and a fireman pole. The fireman pole, I remember you had to go down one by one into this little room with a strobe light. And I went down first because I always go first because I'm less scared that way. And I went down there and I was really disoriented from the strobe light in the tiny space and I was trying to find my way out. And I like grabbed a door and started to go around it and I found the guy that was like waiting to do a scare and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I ruined it. <laughs> and then I, I left. I you. <laughs> yeah. And then I found the actual door, but I felt really bad because I don't like to ruin their scares. <laughs> um, there was also, a, this is not scary at all, but there was a pumpkin chunk and cannon. Yes. And I <laughs> put a lot of corn in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things that sound weird out of context. <laughs> There also used to be a dueling haunted houses in Fort Collins where we lived that we went to that was what there's two separate haunted houses. You went in both sides and then you voted for your favorite. And we made a lot of friends in that one too because we kept getting lost and going through curtain walls that we were not actually supposed to go through. So then they'd have to lead us back. And then I remember, I don't, again, I don't know why. We just were making friends. And then it was funny. And by the time we left the second one, that guy with, like, the scary mask opened the door for us. And then they're all like, bye, bye. And, like, waving. And then everyone in the line was like, I thought this was a scary place. Those are The dueling houses in Fort Collins is no longer there. That was the last year. So out of, out of all of these horror nights, some of the more local ones, what is, like, the single coolest effect that you think you've ever seen in a haunted house? Um, I think it's in, like, every haunted house now. But the... When we went to the Nightingale's house in 2011, I think that was the first time I saw the um, use of someone flying over the top of the crowd. And everyone does it now, every year, in at least one house. But that was the first time I can remember it happening. And it was so unexpected and it was so cool. And it seems like commonplace now, but at the time, I still think it's cool. But at the time, I was like, that is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And there was also, the other one was in the Winter's Night house. I think it was a person. There was a grave and like a half of a half rotting body and it was a real person and they were like crawling across the ground all fast. I guess they were probably just wearing black pants underneath the ground, but you couldn't tell and they'd use lighting really well. Probably one of my favorites was actually one of my favorite houses I forgot to mention was 2016 in Hollywood was the Krampus house, which surprised me because I normally am really not into the Christmas, scary Christmas kind of thing. Murder Christmas. Like I'm not (laughs) really into that. Um, But we went into the Krampus house. From the get-go, the whole thing was cool because if you watched on Twitter and watched um, the guy, the director of the show basically in Hollywood, John Murdy, if you watched his Twitter, he would say tonight's password is blah, blah, blah. And if you got in line for Krampus, there was, if you've seen the most recent version, movie version, there's like a frozen delivery guy at one point. And he was wandering around in the line. And if you told him the password, he would give you a Christmas postcard. So that was cool to begin with. But once you got into the Krampus house, it was one of those ones that's like a house. Like you walk into a living room. There were just really several cool effects in there. One of them was... A fireplace that I swear had 
looked like it was just a cardboard fake fireplace. Like it didn't look like there was anything out of there, you know, and suddenly the lights would change and it'd be a strobe light. And one of the weird, creepy Krampus elf things came out of the fireplace, like a real person all the way out (laughs) and into the living room, which scared the crap out of me. And then in the kitchen, they had the gingerbread men that had come to life uh, destroying things and it smelled like gingerbread in there which was a very simple effect, but just like really cool that we got out of that house and actually got back in line to do it again because it was so much fun. So sometimes it's even the simple, the simple smell of gingerbread (laughs) or poop. (laughs) We're back to poop. (laughs) I prefer gingerbread. Yes, definitely prefer gingerbread over poop. So to wrap everything up here, we thought it would be great to offer a few haunted house tips for people who maybe are typically too scared to enjoy them or have gone and just feel like they stared at the floor the whole time and didn't really actually enjoy it. Coming from two people who are actually really big wusses about this stuff (laughs) and have just learned to enjoy it. So Um, my first tip is what I always do no matter who I'm with, I always go first. Because as much as I love haunted houses, I still get that like adrenaline, ooh, scary, like right before we start. But if I go first, like you don't have time to stop or get into fight or flight mode because you have to keep up with the person in front of you. You have a little task. Everyone else is going to be following you. So if you go first, either in a house where you're separated by your group or you are in a conga line most of them unless they're really separated out you're gonna catch up to the people in front of you anyway because you just keep taking steady regular steps and you have no choice but to not look at the floor because you gotta lead and you gotta know where you're going and you don't want to run into people and the more you look at it the less scary it is like you can't let yourself put your head down and like get tense and get into a little ball because that is telling it's your brain telling your body to get in protective mode and then your body's telling your brain that it's scared so if you don't put yourself in a scared position and you're not cowering behind someone's back or like it's okay to hold hands to not get separated i mean i'm not a professional scare actor but coming from someone who used to jump out of people as a teenager you can tell the difference between holding hands to stay together and holding hands because i'm scared and if you're holding hands because you're scared they're gonna jump out at you specifically if you're looking down, they're going to jump out at you. If you're burying your face in someone's back, they're going to jump out at you. <laughs> but if you're the person in the front, someone else is burying their face into your back, they're not going to jump out at you nearly as much. And also just logistically as a scare actor, you get more bang for your buck if you jump out in the middle of the group rather than at the yeah. start of the group. Because if you jump out in the middle, everybody can see you and see your scare for the most part. If you jump out at the front, the people at the back won't see And the more you look at scary things in the face, because you'll see the flash of it at first, it looks scary, it looks bloody, but if you look at them longer, you can really see the makeup and the prosthetics that's put on, which is not a bad thing at all. Like, it's really good makeup, but you can tell the difference between scary makeup and someone actually missing an eye. And then you can just appreciate it, because look, someone worked really hard on that face, and it looks great, and it's, like, Hollywood movie worthy. Um, Actors are people and if you're scared just think of them as the person they are they probably ate a lot of pizza 
They probably drink some soda. They have a break after this. They're going to go home and let their dog out and take a shower. Like, they're just normal people. And haunted houses, despite what's happening inside of them, are some of the most controlled and safe environments you can be in. Because all haunted houses, no matter what their size, are focused on safety safety for the guests in it and for the actors in it. And unless you sign a waiver for one of those crazy haunted houses, I will not do. No one will touch you. If they do, it's by total accident. They tripped. <laughs> like, no one will actually come in contact with you. Everything is very controlled. There's safe words. There's emergency exits. If you get freaked out or, like, you have an emergency and you need to leave, there's someone every room or two, usually dressed in black. At the pen, we called them flashlights. A lot of times there's actual police officers there because the scariest, most dangerous people in there are guests, not the actors. <laughs> Um, but there's always exits you can get to if you just ask one of those people. You also want to keep in mind that you need to be a good house guest, as I like to say as well, too. So, you know, it's totally fine to be scared. That's half the reason you're going to a haunted house, right? But think about how expressing that fear affects the other people that you're having the experience with, too, including the actors. So play along with the actors. Have a good time. Don't be that person in line that one room away is pointing at someone in the next room going, I can see you. I can see the dude in the mask in the next room. I know. You're ruining it for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else can see him. We all know he's there. He knows he's there. Yeah. He knows he's there. He's aware. Nobody thinks you're cool by trying to ruin the scares before they happen. And all of us have a fight and flight response built in us. And sometimes if something jumps out at you, your response is to put your hands up or shove, or swing, or something like that. People working at haunted houses realize this. Everybody that's worked at one has been inadvertently hit before. Now, if you were truly not expecting to do that, it's fine. That that totally happens. You know, just say a quick apology and move on. But if you're someone that knows for a fact every time you get scared you're going to swing, that's okay to have that response, but don't go to a haunted house. <laughs> don't put scare actors at risk it's not fun for you it's not fun for the people that you're gonna hit be a good house guest conquer your fear have a good time and you will grow to love it so we would love to hear about what haunted houses you're going to this year what things you've liked in the past and if you just think we're a bunch of wusses we'd love to know that too <laughs> i mean i know i'm a wuss i'm a i'm a wuss in the sense that i'm not doing a full contact house that's a whole different topic Oh, no. But no. No. No touching. I'm here for the theater, not the assault. Thank yes. you. <laughs> we'll see you I'm in the next I'm here for episode. the jump scares. I'm not here to actually be scared. No. No, no. If that's your thing, there's plenty of that offered for you. <laughs> Speaking of things that are not haunted houses, but could be potentially scary, was Venom totally awful? No. It Okay. So I've seen some other people that have seen it on my Facebook, and they hated it. I did not hate it. Was it a good movie? No, it wasn't a good movie. <laughs> but it wasn't a bad movie either. I had a really good time watching it. Tom Hardy, I can tell, had a great time making it. And I think they should make a sequel. And I will be there front and center with my popcorn to watch it. I think it should have been rated R. It would have been a great movie if they would have just let it be rated R, because it's a little bit 13 year old boy humor that can be fun 
So right now I kind of feel like those people that when I had a total meltdown about how terrible Suicide Squad was and I saw some of those other people that were like, no, I thought it was fun. I had a good time. That's kind of me with Venom right <laughs> now. Now that's you. <laughs> yeah, but I will I will take a stand. I will draw a line in the sand and I will say I enjoyed Venom. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it. But you have been playing more Spider-Man in I the have. universe. And Venom is not in it that I know of unless he's going to randomly pop up. But he's probably not because it's Marvel's Spider-Man now that they own it again. And Venom's not going to show. But I'm about 60% through. Uh, Last time I talked about this, I was at 30%. I thought Miles was a cameo. He was not. I'm going to spoil a lot. His dad, my cop friend, died. It was actually a little traumatic because he was getting a medal of honor for saving Spider-Man, the demons led by Mr. Negative blew up. Like, they set someone up there with a bomb vest to try and kill Norman Osborn. Miles' dad ends up dying. I thought Peter Parker was dead because he was lying on the ground and MJ was crying. And then you had to play as Miles and you had to, like, save his mom from under some scaffolding and, like, sneak around the demons because they just show up and start shooting people you know like trying to find his dad to see if he's alive and it was like a little too traumatic and I had to take like almost a week off before I started playing it again because I just didn't expect it because before that it had been like my my fun silly comic book game and then all of a sudden I was like oh my god stuff like this is happening like now in the real world and Miles is a teenager and you're like it was just too bad for a few days after that in the game. It's like really, it's raining and it's dark and it's starting to get like back to the comic booky stuff. Um, it's still a really good game. I still love it. I just didn't expect it to get so real like that. But now I'm about 60% done and it's a lot of fun. Um, I didn't expect the main villain to be Mr. Negative. He's great because he's not one of the big main villains that always show up in Spider-Man stuff. Like, the other ones are there. Like, Norman Osborn is there. He's not the Green Goblin yet. Dr. Octavius is there. Peter's working as his his assistant, um, but he's not Dr. Octopus. Doc Ock. Doc Ock. He's not Doc Ock yet. (laughs) There was a really great shot when I was playing yesterday that was very cinematic, and I really appreciated it, where you're working with Dr. Octavius to make robotic arms for people that have lost you know arms (laughs) 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 or like feeling like the ability to use their arms and it comes with a little thing that you put on your head and you control it you control the arms with your brain waves and there's a really great shot where dr octavius is using them and he has his own two arms like down and out a little bit and then up and to the side are both of the robotic arms so it's like an early Doc Ock shot. It was really cool. I only have about 40% of the game done. And at the pace we're going, I don't know if he'll become a fully fledged villain for this game or if they're trying to set him up for the next one. Because I thought Mr. Negative was going to be around for like two days and then it would move on to Doc Ock and the Green Goblin. But that's not what's happening. But I'm fine with that. And I'm trying to finish it before November 13th because that's when the Spiral Remaster comes out and I can only handle one game at a time. 
Yes. And Spyro's going to take up all my time. So. Yes. <laughs> so that's my update on that. I need I need to work on it. <laughs> well, I need to start playing it, and you need to go see Venom. I do. <laughs> you will you will enjoy it i promise i haven't seen any movies yet off of our uh fall movie preview list i guess a lot of them haven't come out yet i also saw the house with a clock in its walls oh you did Mm-hmm. And that one was good that was a good i i think it was a good family film overall it was actually a little bit scarier than i thought but eli roth did direct it but i think it was that one was fun overall too and this weekend we are probably going to see Halloween. I think that's everything we have for this week. So don't forget to send us your feedback. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And let us know some of your haunted house stories. We would love to hear them. Bye, nerds. Our intro and outro music is courtesy of Sneaky Creepy and Yummy Sound. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at NerdAscended. You can also email us at nerdascendedpodcast at gmail.com. And ratings are always appreciated. <laughs> <laughs>